hello, welcome to. <laughs> yeah, I just. Uh... Do it again, Rich. Go on. Uh, hello, welcome to Shaken Not Stirred. It was going to be Do Ask Do Tell. That was what it was going to be. <laughs> hey, maybe it should be. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shaken Not Stirred. Live and Let Die. From 1973, directed by Guy Hamilton, and the first Roger Moore James Bond film. The first time there was going to be a new James Bond, and it stuck. <laughs> so let's let's dive into this one. Let's. I mean, I I don't know how many times I've seen this one over the years, but wow, it's a lot of times. Me too. It seems to be the the one of choice that uh, that they show on, on at Christmas or or Easter or something. I don't know why that is. I don't know either because it's it's quite. Um, as as you were saying, black exploitation. It is. It has those. It's well, basically the first half an hour. Yeah, but after that, is this right? It's like think... following a cue ball. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. I do you know what though. I I didn't normally. I would sit down and, and write write down these. Uh, these quotes all the way through but i went do you know what i'm just gonna enjoy this one because it is the one i've probably seen the most times i think out of every bond film i've probably seen this one the most i wouldn't care to guess which one i've seen the most actually that's that's a big undertaking but i but i wouldn't say through choice i think just through happenstance this is the one i've seen the most it's just always that well i'm gonna click play on it now all right that's fine. And I'm hoping this works because I'm streaming it off Google Drive. Which kind of gives away that I technically... No, I'm, I have the right to move my media from yeah. one format yeah, to that's another. Fine. That's all I've done here. Now, I've got written down first thing. Uh, they've added some funk to the music. Oh, yeah. This this is when... And I hate that they did this. Yeah. Um, they started trying to make the music. And it, go, it happens in other Roger Moore ones. Uh, where they try and make the music a bit more sort of current. Yeah. And a bit less orchestral. And the trouble with that is it works great perhaps for the year that the film comes out. Yeah. But here we are 30 years later and it sounds crappy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's the, the orchestral score gives your film a much more timeless quality. It does. Uh, and I, I wouldn't use sort of music related in any way to popular culture unless I was trying to uh, put you in a... God, what's the right way of putting it? It was when they took... I heard somebody talking about the soundtrack to Forrest Gump because that is a mix of orchestral music that's original to the film and popular soundtrack of the day. And they yeah. used the score to set the mood and the, the soundtrack to set the time and the place. Yeah, a bit like it's almost a bit like Back to the Future as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so they've broken that rule by making the score of Live and Let Die funky. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's that's a problem. If anything, the hairdos set it back <laughs> in place. Now I've got it. Start. It opens at the UN where they're having some boring meeting. Yes, right. The the British guy is just being killed because you can kill somebody with an ear with a red cable. Yeah, that's the only difference. It, blowing air down a red cable. It looks like I don't know what it is. It's it's all bullshit. It's very very weird. 
Yeah, and now I'm in New Orleans. New Orleans, but this, I love this scene with the the street funeral, and uh, they're like, "Oh, whose funeral is it? Uh, it's yours." And then they kill him, and then it's like the open bottom coffin, isn't it? Yeah. What what an ornate way of murdering someone. Yeah. What? Why not just wait till he's alone in his hotel room at night, break in and smash his head in? No, let's get sixty people together and a band and have a street parade and do it there. What I love about this as well is that everyone's dressed in black until the point where they've killed him and put him in the coffin and then they have a street party. Well, that's how it goes. It's amazing. That, have, you, have you seen Treme? No, I haven't. It's brilliant. From the makers of The Wire. Yeah. And it's, you know, they have lots of street funerals in that. And it's the only thing I've ever seen where I thought, you know what, I could, if that was how my funeral went, I'd be cool with that. Because it's, it's more about a celebration of the life of the person rather than yeah, the morning of the death. It's a much more positive sort of funeral thing. It's really cool. Uh, and so, yeah, they start out with the morning bit, which is slow and sad and dreary, and then it fucks that off, so to speak. Yeah. And then we have the party. So in that sense, it's quite traditional, but bizarre that they use it as a way of murdering someone when you could just have someone stab him on the street and nick his wallet and run off yeah yeah but no 60 people at a party that's what we need costumes and And then the yeah (laughs) and then and then we cut to uh san monique an island in the caribbean because that needs explaining i didn't know where it was does does it matter no i suppose not it's all very caribbean-y if you don't like snakes, don't watch this film. Yeah, they, there's lots of snakes in this film. Of course. Now, I find this this guy's pretty creepy. Who, the, the, the one tied... The, no, the, the one with the goat on his head. The goat head man. Yeah. I've lost my page. Let me bring up... What's his name? It's Papa something. Wasn't he a character in the GoldenEye computer game? Baron Samady. Yeah, he was. He was, absolutely. And it's creepy, and that's a real snake. And the dude who they've got tied to the post, you know when he passes out? Yeah. That's because he passed out. That is not acting. That is not anything. Is that, is yeah. that true? Yeah. As far as I know. That's what, brilliant. That's what I heard. It's, it's yeah, the actual acting of the scene shat him up so much he passed out, and it happened to be at just the right bit, so they left it in. That's why, brilliant. Why not? I'd have done that. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, but we've had it. We're now at the opening credits, and we've had a whole opening sequence with no James Bond whatsoever. But I think that was by design. Well, it isn't technically the whole film by design, unless it's you know. <laughs> I know, but it's not. <laughs> It's not following the formula by design is what I'm getting at because it's it's Roger Moore. It's the new James Bond. They don't want to sort of give it away too soon, I suppose. I think historically they do like to play with the audience when there's a changeover of James Bond. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you when I think to the... the there's a lot happens in the living daylights before we get a shot of uh, Timothy Dalton. That's and true. And they kind of play with you that he, he's not James Bond, that it's someone else we've seen a lot more of in the preceding minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't, rem- can't remember what they did with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, I don't know. Oh, he, it's the bungee jump, isn't it? 
And yeah, you get of course the, it is. Yeah, yeah, that whole yeah, that was, that, that was sort of a, a bit of a reboot, though, wasn't it? So they they kind of did away with traditional stuff, and they yeah. were like, right, this is the new Bond. Get over it. It's happening. This opening credit sequence is appalling, by the way. It's terrible, isn't it? But it does say introducing Jane Seymour. Bless her. So this is the, this is her first role, then I guess. Yeah, she might be one of my favourites. Yeah, we're we're actually going to as we enter into Roger Moore. We we're going to sorry, as we enter into the Roger Moore period of James Bond films. Uh, we'll we'll start to notice that I I I do appreciate the Bond girls on a bit more of a. Creepy level, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's not it's not, not at all. Uh, Roger Moore looks young in this film, doesn't he? Well he is. Um but I, I think he was just always older than we think he is. And he well, just, was... when you when you compare this to sort of the last Bond films he does. Yeah. He's so young in this one. I, I think with Roger Moore he wanted to stop a lot longer a a, a lot more before he did. You reckon? Um, yeah, once you get into sort of his last three or four, uh, the, the, and you watch the documentaries, most of them have the story of, and Roger felt he was too old for the part, but we got a big truckload full of money and drove it up to his house and went, there you go, will that do? <laughs> and so they've all got that story. So you're like, yeah, I think he wanted to give up at like, you know, at least two or three movies before they happily let him. Yeah. Because anyone would be in a film doing anything if you drive a big enough truck of money up to their house. Um, anyway, we're away. We'd yeah, so j- we're, in, we're in Bond's house, which is it's pretty nice, actually. Well, um, one would expect so. I, I imagine he's quite so. well paid. And uh, M turns up, but he's he's got a, a, a girl there. Well, she's not just a girl. She's the missing hey. French agent. That's yes. kind yeah, of that's the joke. Right. Yeah. He's he's come to find out when that that young French girl who was your partner on the last trip she's gone missing. Any <laughs> ideas? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should. You should yeah. Would, would you like a coffee? He kind of distracts him, doesn't he? Would you like a coffee? He makes and, uh, such a mess of making <laughs> the fucking coffee. It's brilliant though, because uh, is it M that says? Um, all of that just for frothing milk. Is that all it does? Is that all it does? Uh, yeah. And you're like, you think about what we have today. We've we've got these machines now, haven't we? We all want one in our house for just for frothing milk. Yeah. We have one downstairs. Yeah. To say it only froths milk, it was an alarming amount of money. Actually, no, it does. It makes the whole coffee thing, but yeah, yeah, we've had. A, it's it's actually a really nice one that he's got. It's a nice hand press thing. They're hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pounds. We don't have one of those. But he's got, you watch, he gets it everywhere. <laughs> it's really bad. It's The sauce is just covered in coffee. It's like, I won't want that. Get me a clean one. Is it, I'm, just, I'm going frame by frame now. Yeah, he gets it everywhere. <laughs> he does as well. <laughs> I, I, when I make coffee, it might not be that fancy, but it's all in the damn mug. And I love these little cockerel cake tins he's got hanging on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, because he, he froths it afterwards. Yeah, it makes no sense. He actually Jeez. makes the coffee incorrectly. You're supposed <laughs> to steam the milk first, and then depending on what kind of coffee you're making, you either add the espresso to it or add it to the espresso. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know what coffee that is he's made. 
I, I, it look, I, it's it not looks a, really watery as yeah, well. It's not a cappuccino. It's not a latte. I, I don't know what that is. See, the funny thing is as well that when M turns around <sighs> to walk away, it's suddenly a black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Continuity, guys. Come on. Excellent. But I anyway. do love his monogrammed bathrobe. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. He's getting his really awesome watch with the cool magnet on it. Yeah. The watch is brilliant. I love this particular iteration of the James Bond watch. Yeah. Particular, the sort of the chainsaw <laughs> attachment that he will use to escape at the end. Yeah. Uh, very, very strange. Yeah. And it, it, we also learn here that Moneypenny is more than willing to cover up for him shagging missing French spies. Yeah. Even though she's been really nosy around his house. Yeah, I never noticed that. She is just going around looking at all this stuff, isn't she? I'd at least have one eye on her as she was walking around. It's a bit strange seeing the same money penny with the new James Bond, younger James Bond. Yeah, this is where it began to get odd. Yeah. I I cuz she's like 20 years older than him. Yeah. Clearly. Actually, I I don't know that. We're going to have to I'm going I'm going to check this. So, Roger Moore was born in come on internet 1927 gosh he's very old now isn't he and lois maxwell was born in 1927 they are exactly the same same age wow he obviously had a bigger makeup budget yeah well he was a model wasn't he before he became an actor was he yeah he was a, he was a model. Then he was Simon Templar, the Saint, and then he was uh, James Bond. Okay. And uh, yeah, because the 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 eyebrow raise actually comes from the Saint, and yes. they, you you have to notice they go to great lengths. It must never happen in these first few James Bond films. Yeah, it was a stated law that he is not Simon Templar; he's James Bond. The eyebrow raise will not happen. It does eventually sneak back in. I think yeah. especially once you hit Octopussy. <laughs> but, you know, for these first few, no, there is a clear divide between the two characters and it's very important. Um, I don't know much about The Saint, to be perfectly honest. I don't, except that there was a, a remake with Val Kilmer. I did watch that film when it came I, out. I didn't hate it. I don't remember anything about it other than it showcased the Nokia 9000 communicator phone. <laughs> true that's uh, how in, the, in the same way that this film showcases pan am quite significantly yeah they were still a thing back in 1973 pan american airlines so you get in the taxi that has the, se- the same number plate as your baggage number <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think, <laughs> yeah i i just assumed that was like a spy thing i i think it is I think it is. That's yeah, because the car's got a, a special phone, and it can talk to Felix Leiter, and everything. How different these films would have to be now, when you you just look at the changes in technology. It's quite amazing, yeah. and and the, some of them couldn't happen now, because you just oh, I'll just get my mobile out. I'll I'll call home whatever. Yeah. Um, isn't something bad going to happen to his driver? It's time yeah, we have some James the, Bond action here. The, the pimp mobile turns up. Was this ever a thing? Like, I, I know, like, the whole P 
pimp thing with the big car and the hat with the feather and the cane and all this stuff that we're going to see in this film. Was there ever a point where you could go to an area of New York and see all that taking place and happening and see people dressed like that? Because I feel like it should only ever have been in films. I don't know, but the one thing that was pointed out with this car scene uh, by Shell was all the cars are the same car except for a Cadillac. So uh, all of them <laughs> the same car. Hey, you're right, so, you know. Except a couple <laughs> of Cadillacs. So I assume they were all, it was all sponsored by Chevrolet, I think they are. They are, they're all Chev- Chevys. God, they are all the same damn car, painted different colours. Yeah. Even the one he's in. Yeah. Wow. And dude, just turn the ignition off. I don't know why he's, you know. <laughs> I, I understand yeah. you can't reach the brake. Just turn the ignition off at this point and let the car roll to a stop. Because it's got to be better than leaving the engine on with his foot on the accelerator. Straight away and he's crashing into shit. Yeah. Terrible. This is the Englishman abroad. This is why we have that reputation, you know. On the way to the hotel from the airport. Terrible. And what awful security. Yeah. They know he's coming. Whoever they are at this point. Mental. There's a bit of a lull now. Yeah, we go into an embassy for Sam Monique. And, uh, he starts playing a tape recorder of a speech to his staff and then uh, Solitaire goes and starts to strip off and get changed. Fun fact, Yafet Kotto was going to be Captain Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation. Was, oh, what? Um, the, the bad guy. Wow. Right up until the last minute. Captain okay. Picard, yeah. That would have been completely different. It Wouldn't it just? Wouldn't it just? Um, but they no, they saved the the black captain for Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But it was it was going to happen apparently. I don't know why it didn't in the end, but because Patrick, Patrick Stewart's Stewart. much better. That's why he's just awesome. That's yeah, that works for me. Um. So yeah. Oh, here we go. I think you're a little ahead of me. What? How many minutes in Possibly. are you? I don't know. I'm kind of fast forwarding back and forward. All right. So I'm now at uh, 17 minutes 40-ish. All right, you're a minute ahead. Bear with me. Oh, I don't have that level of control. I'm, like I say, I'm watching it on a YouTube-type interface. I just have to leave it playing. They're getting changed into their pimp gear. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's important to get comfy at the end of the day. Still, I just don't believe this happened. I'm, I need to do a search. Let's see. 1970s New York... Fashions. That must... There we go. I have images. Right. Let's see if there are any pictures of people dressed. Not a one. (laughs) Not a one. Just lots of people dressed like the 70s. Uh, Yeah. I think this might be bullshit. Just thinking. Anyway, he's gone into this small shop for me now. He's going to yeah, buy the, voodoo, the voodoo store. Yeah, he's going to buy a fake snake, isn't he? I think I think he does, or, or something like that. 
but he's he's kind of investigating the the whole voodoo scene to see what's going on. And this is where we see the guy who was driving the pimpmobile, and who's he's one of my favourite bad guys because he's like a big guy who sort of lopes around but speaks in a whisper. That's his name, isn't it? Is it a whisper? Is it? He's called Whisper. Yeah. I try my search. New York, 1970s New York pimp fashion. Let's see what that reveals. Nothing. This is all bullshit, I'm telling you. Of course it is. No one ever really dressed like that. No one ever really drove those cars. This is this has warped my view of the black community. <laughs> this is this has had a negative <laughs> impact on my life and me as a person. And has formed false prejudices in my mind. I feel I feel insulted now. And I, I feel I owe the black community of 1970s New York an apology. Okay. Sorry, guys. There you go. Different strokes was a much more accurate depiction, clearly. Yep. God. Do like Jane Seymour, though. She's very nice looking in this film. And she's aged well, you know. Has she? She has. Let me do a quick Google. I'm also doing that now. Never watched any Dr. Quinn medicine. Oh, of course. I'm pretty sure I've met her. Really? Yeah. Oh, now I'm quite jealous. I'd probably be too shy to say anything, though. Still very much working. Three movies in post-production for 2015. Good. But she's never stopped working. She's just not been in anything I'd ever watch apart from this film. Oh, Smallville. No. Oh, does she, she's somewhat naked in a. I think you might see at the top of a bottom or something. Yeah. I feel I feel quite creepy now. Anyway. Yeah. Um. In actual fact, I would go as far as to say she has definitely not been a victim of the Bond girl curse. Well, no. Because generally they never work again. And but it, the strange thing is, though, that there's a, there are a few Bond girls who have been fine. So hmm. the curse is kind of a bit... I think if you're going to start as a Bond girl, you're in a much worse position. I think if you were sort of famous in your own right beforehand, like, it didn't yeah. hurt Terry Hatcher. But we no. all knew who she was before she was in the Bond film. Yeah. And, a, and a, you know, a couple of other people like that. Britt Eklund. Ursula Andress. That sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, if you're going to start off in a Bond film, then you're not... That's, you're going to finish in a Bond film. It seems. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Uh so anyway, yes, shit happens in the voodoo store um, and Bond gets in a cab to chase the people. Well, not chase, but follow the people who he discovered are bad guys or thinks are bad guys. To the Filet of Soul Club. Yeah. Where all the pimps go with their there's a lot of um, In this film, I've noticed there's a lot of things like reflections of the crew in windows. Are there really? Yeah. And we have to have, there's the black FBI guy or whatever looking after him because everybody has to be black. Otherwise yeah. they see you. And he goes dressed in like a man from Oxford. 
<laughs> and everything goes quiet. Wow, there's some spectacular outfits going on in this bar. There is, isn't there? There really are. And and now that we know they're all made up, it's God, that that's worse. That kind of makes this like the cantina scene from Star Wars. <laughs> Doesn't it? But I love, so much, I love so... the uh, the the would the waiter really have worn a bow tie and red velvet jacket? On on in most Eisley, yeah. It's it's all bizarre. <laughs> Precisely. I mean, because none of this none of this culture existed, so they've made it up. So it, it's as it's as real as Star Wars. Yeah, but fair it, point. But anyway, he's discovered that doors are just too shit for these guys, and they have a revolving table in the wall. Yeah. Because why not? <laughs> or and why? That, that sort of that sort of theme comes up again later, doesn't it? Yeah. With the, with the trap doors or whatever. They're into that sort of thing. My question for them is that uh, with this bit is why did you make the revolving wall bit the bit where you've put the menu with the prices on? Because then you're going to have to change it twice on both sides. (laughs) Just leave that wall blank or something. Or, you know, don't put the prices on the wall. Although, hang on, French fried potatoes, 35 cents. Pizza roll, 40 cents cheeseburger for a large is 80 cents that's not bad it's cheaper than finland um jane seymour's looking lovely here she spent seven hours on that hairdo because it's it's huge there's no way she's just done that (laughs) sorry and we get to meet uh claw hand man claw hand man who's another uh famous bad guy i would say oh yeah and because he has a claw hand, he has the physical strength to bend the barrel of a gun. Yeah, of course. Again, of course of things that never occurred to me. My favourite thing just... about claw hand man is that they're not even trying to hide the fact he's holding that claw with a hand underneath. Well, what can you do? <laughs> what can they do? There's no like, light special effects. The wrist effects. is still there. Yeah. Like, you may as well see his thumb pop out at some point. It's just so obvious. I don't I don't know. Now we're going to find out something like he actually was missing a hand. No, it's it is terrible, isn't it? Oh, so much eye makeup, Jane Seymour. So much. And then we get scary man again. Yeah, who's this Mac Daddy? <laughs> Now th- this is actually the first time we've seen there's there's like a masked version. Yeah. And a non-masked version. Yeah. And I've never really been able to I, when he pulls the mask off it's kind of always felt like when Doc Brown pulls the mask off at the beginning of Back to the Future 2 where the joke is that he looks absolutely no different yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And he pulls this mask and I'm like it's the same dude. Yeah. You could that mask did nothing. At all. What was the point of the mask? Other than to do the scary thing where you suddenly pull your nose off. Which I remember being quite disturbed by as a child. Yeah, I... Yeah. 